Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategies, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. I wonder who my competition is not going to be. I know it ain't going to be nobody up in here. They up in here. They up in here. Magnetic. F-14. W. Organized campaign, I'm on my third route The album just dropped, I'm trying to get the word out Superhero theme music, Ron Sleek walking, snoring The less rails for what was recorded My first stop was Sway in the morning Was greeted by Heather B, Toto was a fan Since the real world on MTV now I MC, five fingers of death, couldn't chin check me Not before I had to get balls right Rehearsing, was asked about my upbringing How long I've been working And Sway's hair rap, look bigger hand person Was rhyming like it was a wake up show Homie tough, I got raps for days Gotta say something for Tony Touch My phone is gone, sorry, I can't talk right now I'm busy, traveling, making my rounds I sat down next on the schedule Was static selector, show already, yo Hey everybody, welcome back to Yo! MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. And uh, we've got a really awesome show for you this week. So, first of all, we're starting with a bit of pretty massive news. Um, I'm going to read a statement about this. I'm pretty much going to be reading it off of a GoFundMe page I came up with, and you'll and you'll get the gist of that as I read the thing. Uh, but the announcement is, without making you sit through the whole thing to know, is that April 29th we are going to be posting the last episode of Yo MTG Taps, and uh, that also. Well, prior to that date, even is going to mark the end of my magic playing career uh, for a number of reasons. And I'm just going to read this thing here. Um, it's it's kind of written to be addressed to you know even family members, uh, but also to magic players. So it kind of has a weird mix of like, if you don't know me, I'm Big Head Joe, or if you do, I don't know, it's weird. But I'm just going to read this, and this will probably give you the best uh, understanding of, of why we've come to this decision. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, I've been playing magic for over 20 years uh, since the release of Ice Age. I often joke that not playing Magic is the phase I grew out of as a child. Uh, as you all know, I played casually for many years, uh, mostly with Joey Pascoe, and until one day we got the crazy idea to create a podcast based on some conversations we were having when I was looking to start playing more competitively. October 8th, 2009 marked the launch of UMTG Taps and the start of a journey neither one of us will ever forget. Uh, along the way, we've traveled the country, befriended some of our all-time favorite magic personalities. Uh, hello, Chapin and Flores, if you are listening. We had the opportunity to be sponsored by only the largest magic store in the world, as well as be a part of the inaugural SCG Live coverage team. And frankly, we paved the way for a large number of podcasts by proving that accomplishments in the game don't always matter more than charisma and passion when you create MTG content. Uh, unfortunately, what appeared to be a charmed life on the surface wasn't always so for me behind the scenes. Uh, when that first episode posted to MTG cast, I was living in my alcoholic mother's attic with no bathroom door on a bathroom so dirty I couldn't use it anyway, roaches everywhere. Uh, living off the $40 a week I received as the tournament organizer for Amazing Spiral Games in Baltimore. Uh, if my grandmother wasn't down the street to help with showers and meals and just general moral support, I'm not exactly sure I'd be talking to any of you today. For a little more than a year, I was stuck in a situation uh, that I felt almost impossible to pull myself out of. Uh, fortunately, 
I was a savvy trader in the days before everyone else thought they were. And with a combination of card sales, sponsorship money from Star City Games, occasional shifts at Amazing Spiral as he took me on a little more uh, to help around the store, and then finally a full-time job at Barnes & Noble, uh, I was able to get into a more independent living situation. Unfortunately, issues that I realized in hindsight were depression and anxiety continued to uh, haunt me. And I self-medicated those problems with drugs and alcohol, as I'm sure uh, Stephen on mute is currently doing uh, with the latter. Uh, It's whiskey, not alcohol. (laughs) That counts. Whiskey is alcohol. But (laughs) So, you know, uh, I'm sad to say, though, uh, that there are very few episodes of Taps during the final year of our first run where I wasn't stoned during the recording, even though that was one of Joey's, like, only rules. He's like, just don't be stoned when we record the show. I'd go, okay, and then I would just put myself on mute and hit a pipe while we were recording, almost every week. And I feel like such an ass. You know, basically lying to my friend in real time. Good stuff. Pretty bad person. Uh, So anyway, my life was falling apart, and I needed a change. Uh, After an especially scary exchange between myself and a couple of my dad's friends, my dad called me in early 2012 to make sure I was okay and to give me a wake-up call of sorts. Because some of the things I was talking about during that conversation on New Year's Eve were just were really scary. And I made the decision then to leave Baltimore and move back to Texas uh, just for a much-needed change of scenery and circumstance. And, of course, that led to Joey and I wrapping up the podcast. I believe we wrapped up around the end of February of 2012, and I moved in April. Uh, we left, wrapped up the podcast. I was unsure of my future, but I knew I needed a chance to find out what my future held. So I'm proud to say that the move to Texas was a positive one. You know, After a rough start with an unstable roommate, uh, I somehow met the woman of my dreams and wound up under the same roof as her. I liked it. I put a ring on it. And I married it in quick succession. And Katie and I are extremely happy with our new life together. Uh, I'm happier than I've ever been. We're both nearly four years sober. And I'm receiving treatment for my anxiety. So things are looking up. But I'm skipping ahead a little. Uh, As my personal life began to settle down a bit here in Dallas, I got the urge to start playing Magic again. And I began, the the urge kind of began as the TO, the tournament organizer for Common Ground Games in Dallas. As when they first started up, they needed a tournament organizer. It was the only store that was even reasonably near my house. And I was excited because when I moved to Dallas, there were no stores near my house. So I basically quit Magic then because there was no way for me to really get anywhere reliably to play. But then this store opened, they needed someone to run tournaments, and I took on that role. Uh, But soon after I took on that role, my restlessness to compete took hold, and I stopped being the tournament organizer and started playing again full-time. And naturally, with my rediscovered passion for the game, also came a desire to resume podcasting. So my friend Steven and I, Hi, Stephen. Have become frequent traveling companions. We had become frequent traveling companions to events at the time, and we had a good rapport. And you know, so it was just a natural ho- uh, choice to co-host the rebooted show uh, while Joey was on his long extended break, which oddly began right as my break ended. So uh, great, <laughs> but uh, you know, the end of the end of 2013. Uh, also marked the beginning of our new podcasting adventure, and uh, things were looking up, so it's good. But just as things really started getting on the right track in all aspects of my life, as it always feels for me, frankly, uh, Katie got very sick, 
and had to leave work. Uh, it was a sudden change. It was a huge loss of income for our household. Uh, we knew there was little chance of her returning to work anytime soon, so we began the absurdly long process of applying for disability. Uh, we spent nine months with one income between us and bills to pay that just got bigger and bigger because we wound up needing to use our credit cards just to fill in the blanks on occasion. And, you know, if it wasn't for her dad also being our landlord and allowing us to live rent-free for quite some time, I'm just not sure how we would have gotten by. But, you know, we have for the most part. Uh, but it's been a struggle. And so with this whole situation, it just seemed like as good a time as any to find a sponsor for the show again. And LegitMTG.com stepped up, and they gave us a stable home when we needed it the most. I couldn't be more pleased with Nate, Josh, and everyone else I've interacted with on the site. They've consistently given us the freedom to do the show we want to do without demanding anything from us in terms of controlling our content. It's just such a liberating thing to feel free to create without restriction. As as Katie's health began to improve, my tournament schedule got more ambitious, beginning with Grand Prix Las Vegas in May 2015. Uh, this marked the first Magic tournament I ever traveled by plane to attend. I think that's the same for you, right? Uh, Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was the first one either one of us had ever flown to. And it wound up being my best performance ever. Ending the weekend at twelve and three, which was good for forty fourth place and three hundred bucks, but one win shy of qualifying for the big dance. Uh, but this result made me feel vindicated in making the trip, and more and more events made their way onto my calendar. Uh, Legend MTG sponsored a team of us to play in Grand Prix Detroit, and Jeff Zandy and I took a road trip there. We drove all the way to Detroit. Uh, and uh, we built a friendship that weekend that'll last a lifetime. So that's just an awesome thing that's come from the show, and I'm really grateful for it. Uh, but as each event passed without me finishing in the cash, I continued to try justifying the expense both to my wife and myself, and that it was just a matter of time before I won the big one and made the Pro Tour. My wife believed in my abilities and could see my drive to win, but as much as she tried to be supportive, I could tell that deep down she hated the travel and the time I spent away from the house. Now, if the events were the only time I spent on the game, this might have been surmountable. But when you add in the time spent preparing for the events, not to mention recording and editing this podcast, which takes quite a bit of time when I spend an hour babbling at Steven instead of actually starting the show... And, uh, you know, the few Sunday nights that I am home, I'm, I'm spending streaming in front of the computer. And the games just put an incredible strain on my marriage as a result. Uh, you know, made worse by the fact that as soon as she starts getting comfortable with the workload that I've put out there, I just add just enough commitments to my calendar to negate the comfort level she gets to. And it's just been this building, 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 building. And I just began to realize the cycle's only going to continue until I'm forced to choose between my marriage and this game. I don't honestly think my wife would present the ultimatum to me directly, but rather that I would continue to make her feel worse and worse by my absence that I'd need to seriously consider if I wanted to keep putting her through this. Uh, Now, you know, rather than take even the first step down that path, on April 29th, 2016, my magic playing career of almost 21 years will be coming to an end. Uh, Yo MTG Taps and my weekly Twitch stream will end at roughly the same time. Uh, As someone who has played this game for most of my life, it's so easy to justify putting off familial and personal responsibilities in order to continue this unsustainable schedule. And the best example I can tell you of this mindset happened just a few weeks ago. This is just a... I just... I still blows my mind telling the story because I can't believe this happened. It was so eye-opening. Over the past year, uh, my love of jazz music has returned with a vengeance. Steven can vouch for this. <laughs> uh, beginning with uh, hearing the Kamazi Washington album, 
just kind of sparked it and just reached a critical mass after seeing the movie Whiplash, which filled me with the overwhelming urge to play bass again and to play specifically jazz and funk. I just want to play. I, I just really just want to play bass so bad. So my dad agreed to give me a $500 gift card for my birthday to help me realize this dream. Uh, playing bass is something I can do that keeps me close to the house, uh, and it's a creative outlet. So since my dad already knew about my plan to quit magic, because I, you know, I've known about this for a while, I'd come to this decision for a while. I'm just now telling the public. Um, he was generous with this gift to make sure that I was able to get something that would last and to further motivate me to get to the finish line with my magic career. I specifically told him to get me a gift card since any direct financial support would have gone right into the bills. And I wanted to make sure that I could jumpstart my post-magic hobby because I just, uh, you know, I'm doing a GoFundMe account. I could not have afforded to, you know, get these things to be able to play bass after I quit magic. So, you know, had him help me, which was really great. And it actually worked out. I got everything I needed and only had to spend a tiny little bit of money of my own to get everything I needed to start. Uh, the problem was, you know, on my birthday, he was getting on a plane to Madrid for work. And to celebrate my birthday, we'd need to meet up prior to that date. The weekend of February 7th was the only weekend he had free to meet up. And I had a GPT scheduled for that Sunday. So I tried to see if my dad could fit dinner into one of the weekdays I had off, but he was just too busy working extra and just preparing for his trip for work. I started typing in a text, well, why don't you just give me an e-gift card and then we can meet up when you get back? So let me bring you up to speed. My dad is giving me $500 towards a new base, and I almost blow him off. For a Grand Prix trial. So what I do then is I erase the start of that text and replace it with, how about I cancel my magic obligation and we meet up for lunch Sunday? So I do, we do, and it just feels so good to make time for my family. More importantly, it was shocking to me to think back to just how many times I was faced with a similar decision and chose magic over whatever thing I should have been doing with my family or my wife and her family, and I can't do it anymore. Uh, You know, what comes next is scary. Magic has felt like the last remnant of my childhood, and letting it go feels like admitting defeat to middle age. Even worse than that is it's the timing of just losing the sponsorship money that comes with having a podcast and a stream. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, my father-in-law's let us live rent-free for two years. Uh, and that's ending on April 1st, the same month that we lose an income source. So, you know, sure, not traveling for the game anymore will certainly offset some of that. But there's an uncertainty that goes beyond just what Life After Magic will be like. Uh, from a personal standpoint. And, you know, frankly, feeling trapped by what's supposed to be a hobby to ensure an income stream continues is exactly what our podcast is not supposed to be. So, you know, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about how proud I am that we've never held this show hostage by threatening to cease operations if we didn't meet some fundraising goal. And, or that we've never put content or interaction behind paywalls. I'm proud that you've never had to pay one cent to be a fan of this show. I, it's fun. I feel like this is some sort of bizarro Kickstarter campaign. Because the show is ending. And no amount of fundraising will bring it back or keep me in the game. What I'm seeking from my GoFundMe campaign is enough money to pay down the credit card bills that have accrued over the past two years, as well as whatever extra money after those are paid uh, being applied to my wife's car payments and student loans, etc., etc. The goal I've set for the campaign is $20,000. 
and it feels like a pretty ambitious goal. Frankly, it feels like a goal that there's no chance in hell I'm going to ever meet. But that's the amount that would really get me to finally feeling like we can pull out of the hole we're in and have true financial independence. Uh, Katie has started working again part-time, but her hours are limited per month due to her disability. And it's a huge transition for her to even be working at all. Uh, Being limited in the ways that we can raise money, I'm now turning to crowdfunding as a way to make this transition as smooth as possible for both of us as we journey into the unknown. Uh, And this is just one way that I'm raising money. I'm raising money a bunch of different ways. uh, But this is just one aspect. You know, I've had several people on Facebook specifically go, oh, you're just begging for money. Why don't you do something about it? I'm like, no, dude, I'm like doing stuff about it. I'm doing lots of stuff about it, but this is a resource that I'm using. So this is just one resource. So, you know, anyway, long story short, you know, thanks a lot for taking the time to listen to this and to listen to the show over the years. Um, if you decide to donate, you know, if this show's ever affected you or touched you in a way that is appropriate for one, but also is, you know, that the show feels important to you and that you feel compelled to help, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I just thank you in advance from the bottom of my heart for doing so. Uh, because again, you know, this is just one of those things that I've always been kind of hesitant to do. Because I don't, and again, like, again, we're not, I'm not begging for money here. This is the last time I'm going to make a big, long rant about this GoFundMe account on this show. Um, I am going to mention it on the show every week until the show ends, but it's just going to remind, remind people that the, that the GoFundMe exists and to thank by name anyone who donates uh, from the previous week. But that's it. I'm not going to sit here and keep going, nobody's giving me money. Why? And uh, for one, thanks to Dan Barrick, who donated. Very, very cool of him to do so. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, just really nice to just have people support support me and help me get to the next phase in my life. You know, if, if, if you feel... Comp- Compelled to do so, donate. If you don't, that's fine, you know? But anyway, so long story short, you know, that's what's going down. Uh, and, you know, any help anyone can give would be awesome. Uh, now, my last three Grand Prix events are going to be Houston this weekend, uh, DC in March, and Albuquerque in April. And, you know, you're probably thinking that it would make way more financial sense for me to end the traveling immediately, but we're, we're wrapping this show. You know, the show is running through the time it's running and I really do feel like I need to play these last three events as my way of saying goodbye to the game I've loved for so long and to end things on my own terms. Um, and plus it's good material for the show, to be honest. Uh, not to mention the fact that, you know, Houston's right down the street and it's standard, so I get to play in a standard event. Mar- uh, DC is team sealed and I'm teaming with Joey and Kenny and they are the two guys who taught me the game almost 21 years ago. And that's just a great nostalgia trip to go on and a good chapter to close out there. And then Albuquerque is shadow sealed, solo sealed. Grand Prix are my absolute favorite thing in the world, and that's the perfect way to just end things is with that event. And I'm going to take a road trip with Jeff Zandy to do so. So even better, you know. And that'll be a lot of fun. So you know, I don't, I don't regret doing those, um, and I'm excited to do them. And if you, you know, if you've ever been a fan of the show, you know, come say hi. I'll be there. I'd love to meet you, you know, and just want to thank you for supporting us every step of the way uh, that you have any way that you have big or small over the years. And you've just done more to keep me away from the darkness than you will ever know. And thank you.
but yeah, so that's it. So, like I said, April 29th will be when the last show posts. And the GoFundMe will be in the show notes. Uh, and will be there every week until the show ends. So if you decide you want to donate, go right ahead. And thanks. Uh, so that's that. <sighs> now, moving on to... Uh, do you have... Obviously... You are on the show as well. The show is ending. Do you have anything you would like to say about that? Oh, I'm sorry. I just got my beard. Did, did I miss something? <laughs> You're such a punk. It took me a while to get it. It took me 20 minutes to get this beard. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's been fun. I've, uh, I don't know what to say. So I can't. I can't quite remember how I started doing the show. I think I said I'd do one show. <laughs> I think is how that happened. I think so. I think you said, "Yeah, I'll do one." Actually, I said, "Absolutely not." No, I don't have time. And then I have time for one. I don't know. I don't know. If you just say yes to things, uh, uh, I've found that you actually end up just making time for it, which is kind of crazy. Because. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like I usually like uh, I don't know. Like almost every year that goes by, I feel like my time is totally 100% saturated, but then I usually find ways to add like additional activities like just going to the gym like every other day and stuff like that and uh um that's been an inter- it's been an interesting lesson in terms of just like I guess what you can do if you make the time for it and uh uh, I don't know. I don't have a good. I don't have a good uh, concluding thought. I'd say just uh, don't be so lazy. That's what I am. And uh, not being too lazy to do the show was uh, was an excellent decision. I've had a blast doing it. And uh, uh, thanks for listening. If there's people out there, it always seems like when we record these things, it just goes out into like <laughs> the nothingness, like a, like a, just like a <laughs> filing cabinet somewhere, like inside of a mountain. <laughs> and they yeah, just like yeah. they close it. I'm just like, uh, like yeah. We I played F and M for the first time in a couple months um, last week, and it was like I think yeah. My round four opponent was someone I listened to the show. I was like, ah, it's really weird. Did not realize. <laughs> Katie laughs so hard at my reaction when people like like will stop me and be like, oh, I love your show because like we were at like uh, one of Katie's best friend's weddings. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the groomsmen was a fan of YoMTG Taps. And this was prior to us starting the show back up, I think, you know? And he's like, oh, I love that show. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I just get, like, so, like, I'm like, uh, oh, all right. Yeah, I'm horrible at taking compliments. <laughs> I'm, just, like, really bad at it. it just, I was like, oh, Why? I don't know. I clam up so bad. Like it's like I'm so like I'm I'm so I guess it's like it's almost like the opposite of being egotistical, you know, where I just like cl- like I don't want to talk about myself and I don't want to like like <laughs> accept the fact that people might enjoy things that I've put into the world. <laughs> I don't want to I'm just like I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, uh, but yeah, no, it's been it's been great having you as part of the show, and we're not done yet, so you know we don't need to talk too much like this is it because it's not. We got a ways to go, and I'm really hoping that we can have a special episode for the last episode of the show. Um, I already know Joey's going to be on, and he's going to be on from Italy, so that'll be exciting. <laughs> Because he's, he's going to be on, like, on the normal night that we would record, he's going to be in Italy. And I'm like, well, you're not missing the episode, dude. You had to get on Skype. <laughs> like, I was just like, that doesn't mean anything. Find some internet in Italy and get on Skype and be on the show. So, you know, so Joey Joey will be on, and I don't know who else will be on, but it should be a pretty interesting uh, cast of characters should be a bit chaotic and fun. But for now, we have to deal with the problem at hand, which is Houston. First of all, there was a there was an open 
<laughs> there was a modern open. It was won by some Eldrazi deck. It was blue-white Eldrazi, right? Uh, no, no. Actually, I think didn't uh, Affinity win? Oh, you're right. You're right. Affinity did win. Okay, Affinity fine. won, but like there was a bunch of like blue-white Eldrazi decks at, near the top of the tables. Uh, there were 64 players made day two. 31 were playing some kind of Eldrazi deck. Hmm. There were two burn decks made day two. Nice. Good job, guys. Yeah, so there's like a new blue-white Eldrazi deck. It's the same stuff. I and Eldrazi Temple to play stupid stuff really early. Uh, this one plays Eldrazi Displacer and Path to Exile, the blue-white Eldrazi deck. I've heard several things. First of all, uh, Aaron Forsyth has said that there will not be any emergency bannings in Modern. Good. If there are bannings to happen, they will happen on the normal banning schedule. Good. So that means you basically don't have to play Modern for another month and a half. If because, you're a coward. Because there's nothing there's nothing there. Um so that's okay, but that's, I actually do appreciate that decision because you set a precedent when you make emergency bans, and especially with social media being the way it is nowadays, everyone thinks they're an expert on everything, and everyone has a voice. This is the thing. Everyone doesn't need to have a voice. That's the biggest like mistake of social media. There are a lot of people in the world that do not need to have their opinions heard because they're either the opinions are wrong or the people are dumb. But that's the reality we live in. And that's the problem with with making an emergency banning based on Twitter groans is that you set a dangerous precedent where then once any card has a good showing, you're going to have everyone on social media thinking they can change stuff. It's the wrestling problem. It's the professional wrestling problem. This is what happened. Is there was this guy, Daniel Bryan, one of my favorites of all time, and he, everyone wanted him in the main event of WrestleMania two years ago. And WWE had different plans. WWE wanted to have Batista, uh, Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, for anyone who doesn't know wrestling. Uh, They wanted him in the main event of WrestleMania. But the internet made a big stink. Uh, The fans made a big stink. And eventually... Due to the noise and the endless noise of the fans, they put Daniel in the main event of WrestleMania, and he won the main event of WrestleMania, and it was one of the greatest moments in WrestleMania history. It really, truly was. And in terms of, like, the result, the end result, uh, and, and the story being ideal, the fans were right in that instance. That was the story that needed to be told that year, not the one WWE was trying to force down people's throats. But here's the problem, is you gave those fans a tiny sliver of power. And now that's what they want. They want that power all the time. Anytime somebody's out there they don't like, they boo the crap out of them, even if it's someone who's supposed to be cheered. You know, it's basically like the fans have... Like, there's, there's, there's a certain... When you're when you're a pro wrestling fan, there is an element of you are part of the show. But as part of the show, you're supposed to act accordingly. You're supposed to boo the bad guys, you're supposed to cheer the good guys. You know, you're supposed to you're supposed to be a willing participant in this play, you know? And when the fans just start going off script and and thinking that they can get anyone anything by cheering them at the right time, you start to lose a little bit of what makes 
wrestling great. It's the illusion of this play. It's and, real to me. And the fact that you're a participant in it. No, like you're a participant in this play. You know? Um, have you ever seen that video? Yes, of course. Okay, of good. course I all have. Right, right. I'm, a, I'm a wrestling fan. I've seen the good and the bad, okay? That's the very good. <laughs> it, it is pretty excellent. It's the best. Um, but but that's the, that's the problem is, you know, the fans are given a little bit of power by causing plans to change based on their reaction. And as great of a story as it wound up being, I'm sure that there's an element that WWE regrets ever doing that because now the fans think that they can always do that and they can't. Because this year, they are plowing through. They are plowing on with their plans. And the fans are booing it and booing it and booing it and booing it, but they're not stopping it because this is what they're doing. You know what I mean? They're fighting back against it. So I kind of feel like, there's a bit of a tangent, but I kind of feel like it's the same way with this whole modern banning where if you give in to the noise and you ban the Eldrazi lands before the banning schedule, people are going to think that you can just complain enough and anything will change. And you've got to have some control over your own product. Uh, And you've got to be able to keep that control from people who aren't involved in your business. You know, yeah, we affect their bottom line, but we don't get to make the decisions. It's their decision to make, right? It is. It's just unfortunate that the band cycle is like, like this, these decks came out like right after that. So yeah, I mean, it's obviously their decision at the end of it and at the end of the day, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to – they're going to have like a few uh, modern GPs coming up in like two weeks, I want to say. Mm-hmm. They might even have three on the same day, I think. I'm not sure. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and like so like the metagame for SCG, uh, the last SCG Modern Open this past weekend, uh, day two, 48% Eldrazi decks. That's healthy. But bright side – uh, and this is from Patrick Chapin's article, the top 32 metagame, 63% Eldrazi, <laughs> and 16% Affinity. Well, you know, th- 80%, this is... 80% Eldrazi and Affinity in the top 32. Yep. Pretty good. Ooh. This is what I was saying. Um, you know, I said from the get-go... I did not say they should ban Splinter Twin when they announced the bans, but I did say they should ban Summer Bloom. I said they should ban Amulet. I said they should ban the Eldrazi lands. I said they should ban the Tron lands in anticipation of this becoming uh, just an Eldrazi format. I said that. There's record of it. Go back and listen. And they didn't, and exactly what happened, happened. Exactly what I thought would happen, happened. Um, I think that for the next set of bands, they do need to ban the Eldrazi lands, both of them. Yeah, both of them. One of no them question. will do. Both, both. Um, they need to ban the Tron lands. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's not because then you're just gonna take the Eldrazi and port them into Tron. No, and it's, gonna it's be just as bad. No, it will not. It absolutely will not. There already was an Eldrazi Tron deck in this tournament. It's in in day two. But anyway, and then you also ban Mox Opal because the problem is the decks that have unfair mana. That is what is just that is what ruining modern right now is that decks with two mana on turn one are completely overpowered versus the rest of the field. I like any deck. I like how you have this long monologue about how it's their decision and too much audience participation. They'll get a sliver of power and they'll overreact. And then (laughs) then you're like, we need to ban the Tron lands. We need to ban. I'm just saying, I'm saying what I, what I'm saying, what I think they should ban. Yeah. I'm not saying 
they need to do that or I'm not playing anymore. I'm not playing anymore anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But and I have and I don't I already will never play modern again. So I really have no like horse in this race. I really it, the what they wind up doing has no benefit to me nor does it harm me because I will not be playing modern ever again. But I think that they should take all of the decks that make more than one mana on turn one, and definitely the deck that makes seven mana on turn three, and get rid of them all. All of them. Yeah, I disagree. I think just the one, El- like I have Ugin or Eldrazi Temple, ban one of them. You could ban both if you if you must, but you, I would say if you ban I, you're pretty much... You've done you've done the job, and that also hurts uh, Tron a little bit. But I don't think the Tron lands are any kind of a problem. I've like, I don't, I think I have like a, actually an absurdly high win rate versus Tron. Tron's like well, completely beatable, and so is Affinity. Well, this is the thing: is that people were predicting before anyone realized that the Eldrazi decks were just going to be so much of the format. People were predicting that. Tron was just going to be everywhere after they banned Splinter Twin. Yeah, I mean, people predict wrong things all the time. Um, they, like some people predicted that like, Jund would be everywhere, even though that makes no sense because Jund has a really good matchup versus the, uh, Splinter Twin. Uh, people uh, predicted that you know fairies would be everywhere with the unbanning of Bitter Blossom. That's a, it's a, something that we never got to like find out. Um, but uh, people were, I mean. We both <laughs> were like, yeah, I mean, they like they should ban one of the Eldrazi lands, but they're not going to because they just printed a whole bunch of Eldrazi they want to show off. Like, that's the whole point of the Pro Tour is to like, show off their new product. Right. Uh, and it did. they did a great job. Got to admit, that was a success. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the next ban will come around. They'll ban either I or Temple or both. And uh, problem solved, in my opinion. All right. I like banning. I know you do. <laughs> You've made that clear. Ban all the things. Just ban them all. So, yeah. So, anyway, Houston. Yeah, yeah. Coming up. Not modern. Excuse me? Not, not modern. modern. Yeah, standard. Standard. This weekend. And, actually, I did... What I said last week was that this week we have to come up with what we are going to play. And I actually did. So, you know... I have been on Red Black Dragons for the past week or two, and I was, you know, I sent Steven a text a couple, uh, maybe a week ago, and I was like, what do you think about adding a Sunken Hollow to the deck just to splash for some sort of counter magic? Uh, Because I was thinking about Rally, I was thinking about Collected Company. And the card I thought up was Disdainful Stroke, because it can also hit, like, a Siege Rhino or something. And he uh, said no, because, you know, you don't need to counter Siege Rhino because you just fly over it, which is a very valid point. And he's like, why don't you just run Dispel? And I, that's when I realized <laughs> Rally's an instant, which means I haven't played much standard. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was like, oh, holy crap. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, we had still kind of come to the conclusion that that wouldn't be a bad plan, you know? Like, maybe maybe do that, you know, as a sideboard option. And then I started thinking about our conversation from the previous week where we were talking about how... about the deck you wanted to run with uh, Eldrazi Sky Spawners ramping you into Wingmate Rocks, Right? Yeah, I mean, that was, like, one version of the Bant Collected Company deck that was going around. Right. So, like, got me thinking about that, and I was like, well, you know, we want to fly um, in this format, and Sky Spawner is a really good card. And not to mention the fact that with Sky Spawner, you can ramp into a turn for uh, Colagon. 
adding another flyer to the board, adding a piece of mana acceleration, or just another token that's going to get pumped by Kolagon when it comes out in two turns. You know, it, it just smooths out the curve a little better. I'd been thinking about that. Um, I don't think seriously, but I had been kind of going, oh man, if we applied that concept to the Dragon's deck, it would be really cool. And then uh, Efro on Channel Fireball, I think just today, posts a Grixis Dragon's list doing the exact same thing. And I was like, well, now I'm sold. <laughs> I was like, I was like, if my stupid idea is being touted by Eric Froelich, then um, I think that I'm going to run with it. And won't this be an adventure, huh? Me playing a three-color deck <laughs> in standard. How many times do you think I'm going to complain about my mana on Saturday? <laughs> I mean, not until like round one starts. Yeah, I'm, if I have a buy. I'm still going to be complaining about my friggin' mana. But, um... Anyway. So, yeah. So, I'm going to play Grixis Dragons. I'm going to play Grixis Dragons. Um, basis being the list that Efro posted to the T. And then go from there. Kind of adjust season to taste. Uh, because he didn't run any copies of uh, collateral damage. So, you know, his deck is incorrect. So, that's that. We all make mistakes. Yeah, I know. And his mistake was not including that card in the deck. I'm not exactly certain of that, but anyway. Uh, so, what are you going to play? What are you going to play? Uh, yeah, so I tested a number of different decks. Uh, I don't even know if I have my like spreadsheet open anymore. Oh, yeah, GP Houston testing. I I initially tested the Company Elves deck we discussed. That was terrible. I went one and six. I can't believe I continued playing it up until that point. Oh, Oof, it was rough. I mean, I, it, I I I did get a little unlucky. Was that the one you played at F and M? Oh man, that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun to play, but I, I was playing this in a league and people were playing real decks. So okay. it was a lot of Bant Company and uh, some other stuff that just like was like a better version of what I was doing. Let's see. Uh, Abzan Company's no good. Uh, Atarka Red actually with the Nissa sideboard that uh, Raptor played. Uh, I only played five matches that and went four and one. So I don't know why I haven't given that more consideration. Hmm. I'll have to think about that one actually. Uh, went four and one with Mardu, but I was just really bored. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, Mardu's just like such a, like a mopey deck. It's just, you don't really <laughs> have to think about anything. It's like, uh, I've got a three drop. I'll play this three drop. I've got, uh, you know, then I'll play a Soulfire Grandmaster plus, uh, some sort of removal spell. And then I'll, I'll play this Goblin Dark Dwellers and I'll get my Colagon's command. I'll get back this other deal. And it's just like super grindy and there's not a ton of decisions to make. And meh. I went four and one. I and I actually beat BBD in the finals of the, the league, so that was kind of cool. Um, but I discarded Mardu too. I don't know why. Uh, and then I found this uh, mono red Eldrazi deck. Um, I think it five would a league or something, but I haven't seen anyone write about, it, which is kind of weird. Mono red Eldrazi, huh? Yeah. So it's basically got it's got four vile aggregate, four uh, hangerback walker, uh, three. Key and Peels. I don't even know the name of that. Um, Pia and Kieran Nilar. Pia and Kieran Nilar. Yeah, whatever you say. The door is Nilar. So, yeah, so basically, like, after the previous... uh, It wasn't last week's podcast, but the one before we were talking about, or I think I was talking about trying to find a way to integrate some of these powerful colorless Eldrazi cards that were just taking the modern Pro Tour by storm, but weren't seeing any standard play. And so this one actually looked like the best shell I'd seen to date with those cards in it. So it it runs uh, four Matter Reshaper, four Vile Aggregate, four Thought Not Seer, four Hangerback Walker, three P and Keel, four Reality Smasher, one Sarkin, two Chandra, the new one, and four Hedron Crawler, which I really like to actually get you to the Thought Not Seer, uh, like on turn three. 
And then you get to play a bunch of really sweet colorless lands like Ruins of Orn Reef and whatnot. Um, so I tested this, and that went like 7-3 and three across two leagues, which was good enough for me. Uh, so I was, I've been testing that deck the most, and I thought that was the deck I was going to play, but I realized I was siding out uh, Matter Reshaper all the time, and the the games I was winning, especially versus like Bant, Collected Company, and Rally, was whenever I got down like a Pia and Kieran or uh, an early Hangerback Walker with a bunch of like counters on it, and then sacrificing it and getting flyers. So I wanted to add um, Eldrazi Sky Spawner, funnily enough, and basically just ported over the Pro Tour winning blue red Eldrazi deck uh, into like an Izzet Eldrazi shell. So. Hmm. Yeah, so it's basically four Sky Spawner, four Vile Aggregate, and Vile Aggregate's actually really good. Uh, I mean, it blocks, if not eats, like Siege Rhino, basically any creature on the ground. All the same creatures, and instead of the two Shonders, I'm only running one main and then two Drowner of Hopes. Uh, four Reality Smasher, four Thought Not Seer, and three Ghost Fire Blaze, just because those get really good with Eldrazi Sky Spawners. Yeah. And uh, P and Q, and... Uh, Pia and Kieran, the Lar. Uh, so that's what I think I'm playing, but the mana so far is not amazing. It's so weird that like the mana can be bad in a two-color deck. I guess it's actually a three-color deck, though. It is, and actually the way that the mana is set up in the current standard, like a four-color deck is slightly easier than a three-color, and about that's the strange. same, if not easier, than a two-color deck. Just because of how the fetch lands and Zendikar dual lands work. Yeah. So it's actually harder than you think. Yeah, I'm actually running a Sunken Hollow uh, with no black cards. So once, <laughs> one Sunken Hollow and four Bloodstained Mire are the ways to get blue mana, other than four Shivan Reef and four Corrupted Crossroads, since the only blue cards in the deck are Eldrazi Sky Spawner and Drowner of Hope. Hmm. And then. Uh, still running four runes of Oren Reef because that card is just ridiculous. It's been ridiculous when I've been testing. Oh, it's a great th- card. I mean, uh, I I played the original Oren Reef mm-hmm. uh, in Zendikar uh, in a mono green deck, of course. Uh, mono green aggro, basically. And it was awesome. It was a great card. Yeah, it's it's just fantastic. Like with Hanger Backwalker, it's insane. And I was looking at trying to squeeze in a few other colorless uh, spell lands. Most of the decks run... Uh, so, like, the Mono Red Eldrazi deck, it runs four Ruins of Orin Reef, but then it also runs uh, four Seagate Wreckage, and then two Foundry of the Councils. And, what does that one do again? Uh, Foundry of the Councils is tap five, and then tap Foundry of the... So you pay five and tap Foundry of the Councils, sacrifice it, and you put two one, two one one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Oh right, that's right, that's right. It's okay. I mean, it takes a lot of man to get there. And then um, uh, four. Uh, the Seagate Wreckage is the one where it's like two and a colorless and tap it, and you can draw a card only if your hand is empty. Yeah. And I've played like twenty matches with this deck, and I have not activated that ability once. Oh, man. So that's not good. The Ruins of Orn Reef have been fantastic. Uh, the Foundry of the Council has been extremely mediocre. Uh, I think I activated it once or twice and to almost no effect. Uh, if I were still going to go with the Mono Red, I would replace those and probably put in uh, Majoring Network, just as having like another colorless source of ramp. And maybe one... I'd put in like one uh, Rogue's Passage. Mm-hmm. just because you're getting in a lot of damage with flyers and like vile aggregate will be like the biggest creature by far on the battlefield. Like he, he, I've had him as high as like nine power, but then usually at that point you're in a board stall if you haven't won already, but then rogues passage clears that right up and effectively gives you like another flyer. So I actually do like one, maybe two rogues passage and then maybe like, one tomb of the spirit dragon just i don't know because you 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 can have a slot for it and that's amazing versus uh any of the aggressive decks uh but yeah the deck i i i uh, i really like the deck also i love the the sideboard tech it's got three chandra's ignition 
You, you know what it does, right? Sort of. Yeah, so basically, target it's three red-red, so five mana. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each other creature and each opponent. Uh, it's been fantastic. Like, once you cast that targeting a Thought Not Seer, a Reality Smasher, um, or a Vile Aggregate, or basically anything with like a Ghostfire Blade versus Bant Collected Company, that basically just wipes their entire board. And hits them in the head, and then you can swing. Yeah, and it, with at least with the mono red version, you you do run four Mattery Shaper and four Hangerback Walker. So like your creature's dying. It's not like symmetrical. Uh, it's really, cool. it's been fantastic versus like the two most popular decks in the format, which are uh, Bant Collected Company and Four Color Rally. And uh, I imagine Eldrazi Obligator is really good. I've only played it once versus uh, an Eldrazi Ramp deck, which was just kind of hilarious, stealing a Ulamog. <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're even playing the uh, the green-blue version with counter spells, but they couldn't counter it. They didn't have it. Well, no, it's an ability. It's It's a... On oh, cast. that's right. You're right. Yeah, they just auto scooped, so I don't know if they had it or not. I I like to think that they did. <laughs> right. Um, the other things that have been overperforming, Chandra has been really great, just because all the decks right now are running three toughness and, or maybe four toughness creatures. Like literally everything in four color rally, everything in uh, Bant collected company, everything in a Tarka red, everything in red green. Landfall, almost everything in Mardu has four or less toughness. Mm-hmm. So you either completely wipe the board to your advantage, because you usually kill like a hangerback walker or something like that, or you just have this like ridiculous threat that ends the game in like two turns. Um so that that's been overperforming. Reality Smasher's good, but not amazing versus like the Bant Collected Company decks just because they clog the, the ground and yeah, five men on the ground's okay, but it's amazing versus Abzan and Mardu, where like they're just trying to like one for one you to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do like the it, the the deck has three tiers of Valakut in the sideboard. That's the one that kills a flyer. Yep, five damage target creature with flying can't be countered. Pretty good against uh, Grixis dragons. Yeah, it's not bad. So, yeah, the deck has a bunch of, like, resilient ground creatures that are fairly low, like, low drops. Uh, it can run Fiery Impulse, Roast, and whatever red sweepers you want. So it's got game versus a Tarka Red. Um, my version with the it has a bunch of Flyers, which is good versus Bant Collected Company. It has a bunch of great sideboard cards versus them. Um, and stuff like Reality Smasher and Thought Not Seer is just great versus, you know, your attrition decks like Abzan and... And, and control. So I like it. I feel like theoretically it has game versus almost anything. I just have to focus on making the mana work for the is it version because I like that a lot more than the mono red version. But I think either of them are actually really good choices and they get to scratch that itch where I'm playing something that no one else is playing and I get to be a stupid hipster. Um, and I think this time I'm actually doing it with a good deck. I mean, it sounds good. It really does. You know, I have reasons on paper that sound good. So if you're if you feel like the mana is bad, what's the what is the motivation for running the blue? Is it just Sky Spawner? Uh pretty much. Sky Spawner and Drowner of Hope's actually pretty good. Drowner of Hope is good. Just because like you'll get to a point where like they might have one flyer or they just have like one or two big things. Like it, it, you just drop that thing and then you usually win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh although Chandra's very similar. <laughs> where it's like you drop it and then you either reset it and you're both top decking uh, or like you have a bunch of flyers because you just nuked a uh, hanger back walker. Um, right now, just flyers are really, really, really good. Um, right. So Eldrazi Sky Spawner has been, I mean, that thing plus Ghost Fireblade is just an amazing combination right now that people aren't really, that sounds decks good. aren't set up for. Uh, I like it. So I, I just like that. I like the fact that it's just another source of ramp just because you do run four Reality Smashers and then two or three either Chandra or Drowner of Hope. So you get the four Hedron Crawlers and the four um, uh, Sky Spawners to actually ramp you to your five and six drops. So I like that. Um, I think I just Matter Reshaper just never really did anything for me. It's, really? it's just like a 3-2 on the ground. I mean, I, I imagine it's okay versus... 
Abzan, but I don't even know why they'd need to run a removal spell at it, just because it's not an amazing body. Sky Spawner just gets in a ton of damage. I think when I was testing, like, if I could, like, track what cards did the most damage while I was testing the Is It Eldrazi deck, um, I think Eldrazi Sky Spawner probably did the most damage. That's awesome. It, well, good to know. Yeah, and then it also helps, like, when you have, like, awkward Ruins of Orin Reef, which you do want to drop early. Um, it helps you still play, like, your four or th- your next three drop, and then also still get to add a counter. You just always have a use for the extra mana. So, that's why I want the blue. Uh, and Drowner of Hope's not bad. The Drowner of Hope's good. I like it. I mean, people are playing it. I mean, it's it's, it's cool because this is just, you're playing a ton of cards that are being played in modern, you know, mm-hmm. and doing well in modern, you don't get to cheat your mana the way they are. No. Modern, so like but the one catch is you're playing four Hedron crawlers. Really? That's funny. You, you get to mitigate that a little bit because, you know, it grows revile aggregates. Uh, the ramp is legitimate. I mean, playing a turn three thought not is like that serious business. Um, and they're not terrible with Ruins of Horn Reef, so, like, you know, late game, they can be, like, a 2-3 or whatever. Yeah, okay. Worst case scenario, they can pick up a Ghost Fire Blade, get in there. <laughs> That's not your plan A or D. E. H. <laughs> yeah. I've done it, though. Sure, sure. But that sounds cool, though. I like it. I say go for it. I'm going to try. I'm going to see if I can make this mana work, and I'll probably end up playing it. You know what? I'm just going to keep playing it. What we're going to do, and what what, what took us so long to get started recording, was we worked out kind of our details for Houston for for this weekend coming up. Um, So we are going down Friday morning, and we made the call to go down. We're going to leave at 6 a.m. Friday morning to go to Houston. Uh, we're going to get down there just in time to play in the Mini Master because it's a free Mini Master and it's fun. So we're going to do it. And then uh, at 1 o'clock, they're doing a standard event that's $25 to enter and it's four rounds of Swiss. <laughs> and I like that because. I don't really think that like winning one of those five O events, uh, going five O in one of those last chance events and getting an extra buy because it's only good for one extra buy to have one. I don't think that's really the biggest like benefit for someone who hasn't played standard hardly at all and is going down to play standard. What I need to do is get a couple rounds in, you know. So like, I'd rather spend twenty five bucks. And know I get to play four rounds of magic, then spend thirty bucks and maybe get eliminated round one, and then have to play spend another you know thirty bucks if I keep going into those trials uh, or spending fifteen dollars per eight person queue. You know I don't really know if I really want to join too many of those and spend too much of that money. So like just playing in the one Swiss event, I think will be very helpful uh, in just kind of making the last choices sideboard wise and kind of coming up with a sideboard plan. And you can decide at that point if the deck you're playing is worth it. <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, so that uh so that seems like a fine plan. And uh so that's what we're gonna do. And hopefully, you know, I, I think we're gonna stick with the same decks. Because your deck sounds amazing to be honest. And I think that you're gonna be very happy with it and stick with it. But if not You'll have time at that point to start building your deck for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to bring the um, Atarka Red deck as a backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that, and I, I mean, I'm going to have I'm going to have all my cards with me pretty much uh, because I'm. Well, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to sell everything there, but I'm going to sell some stuff before I leave Houston for sure. But uh, so I'll have some options too. And we'll look at that and figure out, you know, if what we've got is best. And then we can always go back to the hotel, play more games, jam more games before uh, the main event on Saturday. So there's that option, too. So we've got we've got a lot of time to just kind of hole up and, and do our thing. 
So it'll be fun. I can't wait to have a standard tournament to talk about that I've played it because I don't do that too often. So it's going to be an interesting experience. And don't forget, 6-3 makes day two. Oh, boy. So if you want to – but if you – but if you – if you play day two at six three, you have to wear a cape. <laughs> Maybe I should get some capes to take down with us. Oh god, make some because you got to play the cape. If you're in the cape bracket on day two, you got to wear a cape. I think it's required. They should is- issue them. Wizards should provide the capes, but unfortunately, uh, I don't think they're going to do that. Budget cuts and all that. So cool. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about Grand Prix Houston. Because that's what's happening. And we will likely record on Saturday night at the hotel, which will be really nice. And we'll have that show to you next week. And until then, we are YoMTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. For real, you were really brewing this time, too. Well, I mean, it's you know, good enough for the modern pro tour. Good enough for standard, right? Could be. Turn three versus turn two in modern sounds like a perfectly fine port, you know? Yeah, it's like a turn it's a turn or two slower, which is plenty good for standard. Right. Agreed. I think it's good. Run with it. So Steven has stopped bitching and started brewing. And next week we will see how far his brewing takes him. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, the album's already done Yeah, yeah, collect the funds Before we do these shows Gotta go on a press run Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one Yeah, yeah, the album's already done Yeah, yeah, collect the funds Before we do these shows Gotta go on a press run Yo, the rhyme pays more eyes Once I ride through the doors Yo MTG Taps is available every Friday On LegitMTG.com I want my MTG.com, MTGcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Brainlink, Telegraph, and via Passenger Pigeon at PigeonCast.com. Questions, comments, or free sticker requests that I will hopefully one day get around to can be sent to YoMTGTabs at gmail.com. The intro music is the song Press Run by the amazing Baltimore MC You'll Never Know and is produced by W. Additional background music produced by Logic Marsalis. Purchase all of their music at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. That's magnetic with a K. Seriously, purchase all of their music. Find us on Twitter and Facebook to guarantee infinite happiness forever. Finally, make sure to check out my weekly limited stream, Head Games with Big Head Joe, every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash legitmtg. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.